0: College friends turned business partners, former athletes and newfound entrepreneurs, Hoop Zig and Cameron Jackson have come together in what is believed to be a long overdue call to action. Listen as these outwardly spoken intellectuals simultaneously discredit voices of doubt and procrastination while tackling a variety of topics applicable to contemporary business owners. Tune in as they talk about breaking ground on new projects, overcoming common obstacles and mastering the mindset of a founder. It is time to know your worth. Welcome to the family. This is the Free Value Podcast.
1: Okay, this is the Free Value Podcast. I am your host, Hoop Joining me is Cameron Jackson, AKA CEO, AKA calling what you want, but you just cannot call him broke. What it is and what do it do, my guy?
0: What it is, my boy, I'm doing good and about to run some errands for millennials. thing started with. I'm excited to get on and do another podcast been going well. How you been feeling about it?
1: Good, man. This is this is uh I know we said the last episode or the episode before that that was the best one yet, yeah, but this one's definitely the best one so far. This this guest, the guest that we have on this uh this episode, episode ten of the podcast. We really uh blowing it up with this one. What you think? I think so as well. The guy is just
0: super motivating and he's been through so much and he has just so much to share with everybody. And I was really learning a lot about him myself, just even talking to him. And I was even wild and amazed. So this is going to be a great podcast, something that people should definitely listen to and really take in what he's saying and think about his journey and things that he's faced. And it's, it's amazing. It's really, it's a really good story.
1: Yeah. He talks about his up and downs as a, a D one athlete, uh, a, a track star phenomenon, uh, At one point he mentioned being, being the top in the world. So he's a, he's a prime, prime athlete. And he's talking about 16 at 16. He's talking about his, 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 uh, his successes, his failures, his mindset. I think his mindset speaks volume. Um, That's really what held on to me that his mindset is so strong. I really haven't met anybody else with that type of mindset, you know, because he's been on that, that platform um since he was so young and the, him having to humble himself uh you know just those different mm-hmm. experience right. different experiences as an athlete um can't hype, really can't hype this guy up enough he's blue checked up on the ground blue checked, blue
0: checked up, up on the ground, ground.
1: <laughs> <But> former, <laughs> former professional rugby player i mean what 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 else do you need to like
0: for? right right former fastest fastest person in london former fastest person in south africa at 16 15 at so 16, we don't want to hype him up too too much more we want you to listen to the rest of the
1: episode but yeah man it's a it's an hour long but look every second there there's value every second there's value right. um right. when it comes to our guests this one right here this one is this one's gonna go amongst one of the greatest in free value history Yeah, sure for sure, for sure. So we're gonna get go ahead and get right into it. Um, we'll see you guys on the other side. Let's get it.
2: Introduce I Ty- hey, to introduce Tyrese.
1: Welcome to the show, Tyrese. First off, welcome to the show, man.
2: Thank you for having me, man. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Yeah,
1: man. Um, no doubt. We had to get you on the show. When you DM me asked if we were looking for, you know, some guests, you were the perfect person to hit, hit us up because we've had some other people, but we wanted somebody who was gonna bring that. That bang to the show, and you definitely <laughs> that bang to the show, so it. yeah man Absolutely. very excited to have you um so man, let's uh, like always, let's go ahead and dive right into this, man, um, good. so tell us, um, tell us like where uh, your where your athletic history like started, like take us to the beginning, like when you first had that initiative to you know, work hard and become an athlete? I guess for me, it started when I was about five years old. See,
2: growing up in London with my mum, she forced me into playing football or soccer, that we call it, but I didn't really want to play it. Like, I got to a point where I was playing soccer every single day. She'd literally take me to training, like, four or five times a week. And I was just like, "Mom, what are you doing? I hate this. Please let me stop. <laughs> I stopped. And they were just kicking ball, um, you know, around my estate with some some of the guys that lived around with me. And I just actually became quite good. I, I became quite good. And then at this point, you know, we were basically debating what we wanted to do with our lives. And she kind of came to that decision where, you know, coming from South London, things were getting quite dangerous. So she was just like, what can we do next? Let's move to Dubai. So we took that leap of faith. And in that, I managed to carry that sporting sort of love the first bit of love that i had for sport was obviously in england brought that over to dubai and then literally in my first my first two or three weeks i was in, i was um you know i came across a south african family with a guy that i went to school with and basically he said you know would you like to play rugby you know i was in year 6 so year 6 to us is i think grade 5 for you guys and he was basically just like would you consider playing playing rugby? And I was just like, I've never played it before. I've always thought it was kind of like a private school game. I've never, I've never gone to private school. I've always right. gone to like yeah. just a normal, regular public state school, and it's nothing that's, it's nothing that's kind of been exposed to me. So I came across it, and then yeah, it just kind of kicked on from there.
1: Okay, cool, cool. What was um? So you said it was that that coach who came up to you and said that he wanted you to play rugby. And was this for, like, the high school? Or you said you were in grade six, sixth grade?
2: Yeah, so I was in fifth grade. It was one of the guys that I was, um, you know, went to school with. And he, he said, like, his family, him and his family said, I'm from South Africa, you know, you need to play rugby. They right. saw me playing um, play soccer at school. And they were just like, yeah, come play for our local club, really good club. And literally that club was, you know, one of the loves of my life. Some of the boys that I played with literally – I don't know what's that. Ten years ago, maybe Mm -hmm. I'm still best friends with right now. Great, and you know, went to yeah, absolutely. That's the thing with rugby. It's just you know, you the sort of connections and relationships that you make, stuff that kind of lasts forever. And you know, some of the guys, you know, we went we went to England together from from tour from Dubai to England. We went from Dubai to South Africa, and it's literally been such an amazing sort of you know, feet to say that, you know, you paid for such an amazing club that have literally taken you all over the world.
1: Literally. Dubai,
2: South Africa, sheesh. Right. (laughs) Right.
1: crazy. You've been everywhere. Dang. Absolutely. So did you traveling at such a young age, did that, like, open your eyes to, like, I don't know, maybe that you wanted to take it to the next level?
2: I'd say absolutely. My mom's always been a person. Who's always driven for you know strove for what she feels is best for herself and me, and so because she's always had that, I've always had to put that faith in into myself because I feel as if if she's going to do that, then why can't I you know why can't I take it to the next level if she's willing to do that for for us if she's willing to make the sacrifices that she's made, then I believe that I should be doing the exact same thing. So you know, always moving has been good for me because it's forced me from a young age to experience new cultures, experience new people, you know, certain certain races, certain different people. I, when I moved to Dubai, I hadn't met him when you know, when, when I was younger. So yeah. it really opened my eyes up. So I knew that in the future when I do experience life from a sort of different perspective, I would have at least experienced those people before so I can, you know, make much better connections in the future. Right. So I definitely, it's definitely made kind of a massive impact in my life.
1: Right. That's what's up. That's what's up.
2: Cam, you I'm sure.
1: That it. is, wow.
0: Well, I'm just, that's crazy. I didn't even know that about you, to be honest. Like, I didn't even know you started off playing soccer. I didn't know you went to Dubai and Africa. That's huge. That's crazy. Do you still, um, I know you said you're still in contact. So what made you kind of go into like rugby instead of just staying yeah. with soccer? Because I know overseas, um, I know how big soccer is.
2: Um, So I got to a point where... This is, I kind of think, I, was, I think I was juggling the two when I was in Dubai. I was playing for, you know, the, one of the semi-professional teams. a professional team I was playing for the youth academy called Wassel. So, I don't know if you know Diego Maradona. He's, a, you know, one of the best ever soccer players ever. He was the head coach. And, you know, I was just in the youth academy. We had a really good academy manager. So, I could have taken soccer to that level over there. Um, and also, I had the opportunity to play for, you know, some really good Premier League teams in England. Um, and play soccer for them, but at this point, I had a, I had an opportunity to go to a boarding school in England, you know, really really prestigious boarding school, made in like 1584. So when you can think about posh and old fashioned, you know, suits and everything, all teachers yeah. and uh, you know, hello sir and all of that, <laughs> basically, I was I kind of in a predicament where I was just like, have the opportunity of playing professional football in the future, if I do make it, but I believe I was good enough to. But then I also had the opportunity to play a, a still a respectable sport, but have an education. Because I knew that if I was to go to like just a regular school, the motivation wouldn't be there because, you know, you pay for what you get. You pay for a good school because you get the the quality that you obviously require or the quality that you pay for. Right. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I kind of had to just say, you know what, as much as I love soccer, it's always going to be the there. I can always go to the games. I can always have connections and friends that play it. But I'd rather get an education, a good education, and then take it from there, really.
1: So what, what would you say? Um, would you say that you are, or at that point in time, when did you feel like that you were good at rugby as well? Because at first you said that you felt like you weren't going to be, you were too young, I think you said, or mm. you didn't think you were going to be good enough and you didn't want to make that switch because you were playing uh, soccer, when was that point that you thought, like, this could actually work, you playing rugby? I think the thing is, when you're, you know, it's it's the common saying of
2: usually many people are big fishes in small ponds. That's, what, that's kind of how I felt when I was in Dubai, because it was such a small country, and because, you know, I was quite good out there, and um, I didn't know if me going to another country – I'd be as good as them because people always have doubts about you, especially when you are obviously killing it at what you do. But you know, when I was out there, I was thinking, I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to perform to the best levels that there will be in other countries. Went to South Africa, and um, you know, broke some try try scoring records, and that basically solidified to me that if I can do it in South Africa, and they're one of the you know the most prestigious and most well known countries in the world for rugby. Then I felt as if I could do it anywhere in the world. That's why when I came to England, you know, I literally just put my head down and said, you know what, I really want to make it in the sport. I really want to come become a professional, manage to do it for sure. But it was the initial belief from the beginning where I said, if I put my mind to this I'll definitely get to Right. Do
1: it. And at those schools where the was the um like the the athletic training and the weight training was that um more advanced than your typical school? Because you obviously have some size, you know what I'm saying? You have to have some pretty guys to play rugby you know what I'm saying so did that? do you think that uh, the schools that you were attending or the programs you were playing for helped you as if well rather than if you would have went to a typical school
2: I think yeah um, for sure that's definitely made a big difference because you know the facilities that we had at my school you know people pay big money to go to a school like that so I guess the very least you'd expect to have the best facilities I mean that's some very good facilities but You know, I give all my thanks to one of my strength and conditioning coaches called Joel Trapp. You know, he literally, when I was about, I think I was about 14 when I came to the school, um, you know, he came in the second second term, second semester, and he said, we want to get you to another level. You know, we literally trained so hard. And I was, you know, all the other guys my age, probably in the gym for about 30 minutes um, every, you know, twice a week. I was in there two hours, three or four times a day so i was literally just going hard really really hard um you know i tried sometimes i'd even have two sessions in the same day and i was just saying to myself look if i want to get to that another level i'm gonna have to do it. another reason why was you know i came when i came back to england um you know i basically i run track in dubai and i was about 13 years mm-hmm. old and i ran like 11.8 in dubai or no i ran I 11.3 11.3 and um, they said to me if you come to england you know, you'll be top five in the country. Came to England, got got absolutely destroyed. But it wasn't bad, as bad as I thought it was. But to my standards, I did. Yeah. You know, one person yeah. I couldn't beat. So I said to myself, look, next year, I'm going to be the fastest in the country. So basically, I said to myself, yeah, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to improve physically. I'm going to have to make sure I put in the work, not just on the track, but in the gym. And then I came out. I managed to break a couple um, records, broke my club records, and I won it in, I won a national championship in ten nine one when I was about 14. So I think that put me, I think I was like top three in the world at that point um, when I was 14. So I was just like, you know, at the end of the day, I had to, if I didn't make that sacrifice, if I didn't say I'm going to have to scrap some of my grades because I'm going to be in the gym. Sure. Difficult in that sense, but that was the number one priority and me being able to obviously get to that. It's level amazing that, that you like kept, Drive got every single
0: step that you have, Africa, you're like, You're the best there, You or the I need to go get more. So, you went to London, took over London, and you stayed, you stayed, you know, stayed consistent. That is amazing. That's crazy. I didn't even know that. 16 year
2: old, what I didn't even know, best that. in the world, it's top <laughs> in the world. That's crazy. World. Dude.
1: That's go. That's That's we, we can end control. the podcast right now
0: career <laughs> <laughs> okay and Thank Thank so you. once Thank you realize you. that i'm sure a lot of like you didn't just want to stay with track like i'm sure a lot of different people were coming to you and trying to like sponsor you or and different things like that and you never wanted to go
2: to the olympics or do things like that with track see the thing is it was so difficult man because i was running track i went to boarding school and so several time I got to normal school i'd go to school I think it was like nine till about three o'clock, four o'clock. That's when you finish school. I was going to school six days a week. Some days I was finishing school at six o'clock. Then I'd have study time that finishes at about nine o'clock in the evening, nine thirty in the evening. So I didn't have the time to fit in, you know, an outside running track sort of, sort of coach sort of program. But I managed to do what I could do in school. So I find it difficult. But I had to still find a bit of time. We didn't have a track. We had a grass. We had grass um, you know, all over the school. So I had to find, you know, the odd 20 meter, 30 metres sort of bits of space to be able to do the, the track stuff. And it was difficult. So I was thinking to myself, I haven't really got the best opportunity of giving my auto track. So I need to make sure I can balance it between rugby and track. But it was always difficult because as soon as I'd finished the rugby season, I'd go straight into the track season. As soon as I finished the track season, I'd go straight into the rugby season. So there was never a break. That's why it's right now is is crazy because I feel like I get a break. But, you know, literally it was, there was no break. So I, I was basically just um and iron. Ah it was very difficult um, to make the decision what, what I wanted to do. But then when I was 15, I had the opportunity of going viral, you know, we had a schools, um, a schools tournament. And in that schools tournament, we played, you know, another team who were really, really good called Sherbourne. And, um, you know, I managed to have literally a video that went from, you know, I was literally waking up at, I was doing so many different things at school. I was doing drama. So I was at a school play that same day. And I remember waking, I remember literally waking up from a nap and somebody was like to me, you know, some of the guys that came, went to this, that literally just graduated from the school, had been like, Have you seen this video? Have you seen this video? Then I saw, you know, I saw 10,000 views. I saw 500,000 views, and it just kept going up, kept going up, kept going up. And the next thing you know, I saw 30 million views. So from there, that basically, you know, managed to change the whole landscape for my life. Because as much as it's good saying that you want to have an opportunity of making it, you need the exposure um, at the very beginning. And I was lucky that. Because I went viral, that exposure just opened up so many different avenues for me. So it made my diff- it made my life so difficult for sure. Because I was just in a debate for like a year and a half. Ask anybody that knows me for about a year and a half, rugby track, rugby wow. track, rugby track, and then even at a point, um, American football came in the picture because you know Michigan hit me up when I was about. However young and um, IMG hit me up, so I was just like, "What do I do?" sort of thing right. so yeah it was, right. it's, been, it's been very much of a, of a battle, you know a battle between what do you really want to do and you know who's actually there for you so who helped thing? you make you those think? decisions? <laughs> I, I was
0: heck who helped you make all those biz, big decisions at 16, 17 Is it your mom um
2: I'd say my family definitely helped me you know my family helped Give me uh, sort of ideas. I had people at school that I trusted, two people at school that I really trusted, um, and they obviously put in their words. But I'd say because I'd been through so many different things, so much adversity, I was like, I got to a point where people could tell me what they want to tell me, but at the end of the day, I make my own decisions. I kind of got that sort of of mantra quite early, quite young. And so because I knew myself quite well at 16, um, or 15, 16, I kind of got to know myself a lot faster than than I would have if I hadn't have been for those sort of things. I just kind of used everything together, compiled it, and basically just came to my decisions of, you know, at that point, don't want to go to America, just come back to England. How can I go to another country by myself? when I, I know myself, but I still don't know myself to do that by myself. Couldn't have basically have continued playing rugby at one point because I was going through so much. I needed to take a deload. Went into track, went into track, realized that, you know, what I want to do professionally, I can do at a much better level in rugby. And um, it was just, I just liked the whole idea of it. So, so those are the sort of decisions, you know, I kind of had to make myself, but not I didn't make them by myself. I had people that educated me into making those decisions more okay. so. Mm.
1: So, would you say, um, I assume that a lot of your relationships with some of your friends took a toll. During this time, because you didn't have time to hang out. Everything was just like practice, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you said, track, rugby, track, rugby. Then eventually, mm-hmm. um, football, American football came into the mix. And then you were busy making these decisions and talking to other people and trying to figure out who was there for you or not. So would you say it took a toll on uh, some of the relationships uh, that you have? I'd
2: say it's taken a, I'd say it's taken a good toll. Um, in a grand scheme of things, good toll, mentally city, bad toll. I'd say kind of being at 15 where you kind of, you think you kind of feel like you've got a really good friendship group, but then I can say it now that I'm a lot older, but I'd say jealousy really did play a part because if everybody's working, you know, the exact same amount, everyone's working really hard, but one person's getting all the attention as humans, you know, jealousy does play a part. And I do feel as if I did lose some very good friends to, to it and um you know people that i barely speak to today because of it and i definitely had a couple of people friends old friends family that have basically tried to use this as you know you can be you can be my sort of lottery ticket but it's like i'm still trying to i'm still trying to get there how can i be a lottery ticket when i'm not even there yeah and so you've all these different sorts of people which are trying to get into your life you don't know if they're just using you for, for for what you don't know if they're actually trying to be genuine with you and they actually care for you so it definitely took a toll but you know, I've always been tunnel vision. I remember, you know, I literally just came from my national championship. And um, you know, I think it was two weeks later. So that would that was quite a difficult decision to make, I'd say actually. This is one of them. I literally just won a national championship. I ran 10-9-1. I'm in shape. All I needed to do um was run another race because I was in shape. So that made at the time that may be the second fastest under 15-year-old ever from the UK. And I was literally in the best shape of my life. All I needed to do is one- run race, probably would have run about a 10-7, and I would have destroyed all the records. but I had to go on tour South Africa. Again, I went, I've been towards South Africa three times now, but at that point I went towards South Africa, and that was a difficult decision as well in regards to like my friends, because so many of my friends, you know, they're going out, they're doing this, they're doing that. But because I wanted to kind of get to that next level. It was sport over friendship for me, mm-hmm. like still is. Even family, I love my family, but all my family can tell you right now, if I've got something to do with sport, if I've got training, if I got if I got something really important to do with sport, you know that's coming before anybody, and that's always going to be how. it's, That's always going to be, you know, what's going to at least try and make me set myself oh. apart.
1: Why you say that? I like why you've been talking. I like I, like you said, you had, you've always had tunnel vision. Where do you think that? that mindset to just, like, continue to get better and not ever be satisfied comes from, you know? Like, because we're obviously I, not born with yeah. it, you know? But, like, sure. where does sure. that, where do you think that came from for you? Um, I'd say, you know,
2: growing up in, similar to America, actually, this is something it's quite juicy. I love, actually quite like this topic. Um, similar to America in the sense that, you know, where I came from, not a lot of opp- people have opportunity. You know, people that I've gone, you know, very close with have, you know, been to jail and whatnot. And you kind of see where you can go. And then you have to see where you want to go because there's so much things out there for people to do. But then you can't tell somebody that they can't do it because you don't know their life, ci- their, their life circumstances. And for me, I was in a similar situation. You know, I grew up with a single mom. You know, we. I remember the days where literally scrambling around. What can we find? What sort of pennies can we find to be able to pay for the electricity bill? So we were broke. And how can I live my life not trying to be better for my mom? You know, how can I not live my life trying to provide for my mom when she's done so much for me? So I've always kind of lived off that fire of I'm doing this for not just myself, not just my mom, not just my community, but for everybody out there because so many people have so many things in their lives that are literally knocking them down, knocking them down, and so many people give in. But why give in? Because there's so much more that we can all achieve. That's the sort of that's where I kind of say my hunger's come from. And then when I went to America, when I went to the underground all America game in like 2018, man, I saw I saw people just so different. Like I've heard some of the story. I spoke to some of the guys. When I speak to people, I like trying to get to know them on another level. And um you know I spoke to some of those guys and some of hearing some of their stories like where they'd come from. You know how difficult it was for them to get out of their hoods, you just put things into perspective because I'm thinking I've been trying my whole life to be something different because I've come from what I've come from, I've gone up in the private schools where people haven't had the same experience as myself. But then there are people out there who I think I've had it hard, but then there are people who have had it harder than right. me. So if I'm trying to make it in sports, if I'm trying to, if I was trying to make it, you know, at that point to get to the NFL. How can I keep striving for that sort of greatness when there's so much more that I can strive for? Because they've had, they've been through so much. So if I'm competing with them, then I need to make sure that my hunger is equaling, but if not higher than theirs. So that's kind right, where it's right, right. How about we? Yeah. That's that's crazy. You you go. Hope.
1: That's a that's a good. uh I feel like that's a good opportunity like you going to that game, that All-American game sure. and talking to those people and finding out their stories like you said, mm-hmm. it puts things in perspective and it was like, dang, a lot of these people had it worse than you and they're in the same they're in sure. the same position that you are right now. And with that mindset, it's like, okay, they they've obviously worked just as hard as me, you know, so I can see look at it as competition because at the end of the day, that's what you're there to do is to compete, is to win. Absolutely. you know but you want to set yourself mm. apart from those other people so it isn't uh competition you want to put in more work than your uh so and so competitors mm. so you can come out Talk about um
0: sure. that's talk about how sure. you came to America talk about how that all kind of came on, happened
1: yeah yeah oh,
2: okay so i guess i'd have to explain the under one america game because before that you know, i was playing rugby I was, I was, you know, actually, I wasn't enjoying rugby when I was at this point. And I was about, I was about uh, 17. Um, you know, I, I felt as if in rugby, I always had something to prove. I always felt as if I had people, you know, sending me messages. You're good or you're rubbish. And it's like, you don't know me. You know, I'm getting all of this message. I'm getting all of these stuff from when I was 15. I remember when I was 15, you know, going viral, as good as it was for me the amount of hate that came my way and the amount of, you know, people, sure, comment on the videos, but I'm not posting it. So why do you have to message me? You know, I didn't ask for that to happen, but you're messaging me for all of that. And so for sure, that was difficult. Then I got to a point where that just kept, it kept repeating itself for years, for years. And I was like, I can't do rugby anymore. I'm literally so done. If I continued playing rugby at that point for another year or two, I would have just broken down, honestly. Um, And then I got quite lucky. I was... Looking around and you know managed to speak to a couple of people, and then the opportunity to play American football came again. And um, you know we were speaking and you know managed to speak to some of the guys in you know the Under Armour game sort of committee, um, you know selection committee, and they were basically just really liking what they saw. They liked my film, and they were just like, "We really want to make you the first sort of international Under American," and I couldn't say no to it because that was basically God's calling. You know, I felt as if God put that hurdle Definitely. my way. God made sure I had gone for what I had gone for in rugby right. just for that to happen. And so because that happened, and I managed, I literally changed everything. I stopped my, my rugby season halfway. I left my rugby academy. Um, so I was playing for my school my academy. And um, I remember I was so, you know, I said school was uh, was it six days a week. I'd be in school literally Monday to Sunday. I I was boarding full time, but then my school was so nice and they managed to, you know, let me go to London three days a week. So I was managing to go home three days a week, train with some really, really good guys who so got me right, man. It, look, it literally got me so right. So I was training with those guys three days a week, and then I managed to have the opportunity to, you know, go to the More America game out there. And then obviously, you know, competing with the best guys, best guys in the country. And then that's kind of when my recruitment process kind of just kicked off. You know, I was still speaking to some colleges like Coastal. I was speaking to some D2 colleges. But then, you know, I remember straight after the game, you know, I had colleges like Texas, Penn State, Kentucky, um, Cincinnati, Princeton. Like literally so many colleges were obviously hitting my line and showing her interest and had some really good opportunities, really good offers. But for me, I had to kind of put myself into, I had to humble myself a little bit, I felt, because I felt as if everything was just spiraling up. I felt as if I was getting all this attention, all this love, but let me be true to myself. Let me take a step back, I took a step back. I had to think to myself what do I really want. You know, I really want to play football. And as good as it would have been to you know go to one of the big colleges, I didn't feel as if I would have been able to play. And, you know, what Coastal basically put forwards was just such a good sort of offer that it was just like, I've been, I've been, met you guys, I like the coaches, you know, how could I really say no to that? How could I say no to guys who seem so genuine? Those are the sort of people I want to be around. I don't want to be around nothing fake. I'm not saying anyone else was, but just at the time, I just felt as if Coastal were just so real, so authentic. And um, managed to get myself, you know, the scholarship there. And um yeah, that's kind of how I yeah. ended up at Coastal, of course really. that's
1: how we that's how we met you was at was that Coastal. Cam, he was you were actually his teammate at the time, Absolutely. right? How yeah, was I was his teammate. So Cam, how was that um, well this is a question <laughs> for you, but how was that uh in the locker room, like the hype up before
0: Okay, so like it's funny because sitting here like when you're talking about the viral video, I remember hearing about that. So obviously him coming in was such a big deal because he was coming from a different country. You know, he was coming from London. He's never even played American football in the sense really other than the rugby. I mean, other than the UA All-American game. So we were, he was told, we were told that he was just a rugby player and he was coming to play. So like, it's funny how he's saying, we obviously saw the video and it's funny how he was saying like, there was a bunch of hate because of course there were some haters like, you know, you see the film and they'd be like, well, that was just rugby. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean i heard some people just being like that was just rubbing no way he's gonna come <laughs> yeah. here to that blah, blah blah right you hear that in the locker room a little bit but then you hear i'm over on my side with the dbs and so we looking like we like damn he comes fast yeah <laughs> and then, like, we keep we keep watching it i'm like he's really <laughs> <He> fast <laughs> yeah so i remember seeing that and i remember talking to like a couple of dbs and we were just talking we like man he about to come through running boys over we just that's what we thought you know what i mean so it was just funny and then you know, the coaches hype him up, him. and we are excited for him to be there. But I was more of like, once I heard he was from London, I was like, I wonder how he's going to sound and look, right? So, like, we obviously saw the film, but you can't really see on that <laughs> film, like, how he truly looks and everything. So, he comes and takes the pictures, and he comes in. Mm. And what was it? You came for, like, summer conditioning. was like, you know how all the freshmen came, and y'all were all separate at first, and then as a group. we started doing summer. Remember, oh, yeah. I saw him, and he wasn't missing a beat. But after our practice, I had talked to him, and I heard his voice for the first time. And that's when I was cracking up. I was just like, I just wanted to keep talking to his voice because I was like, wow, he's really from London. I was like, we really have a rugby player, here, right? <laughs> yeah. So little time goes, and then he can't throw a football at practice He's over there. Trying, he's over here. Throwing like, he can't throw a football because he was throwing him like a rugby ball. right? Never, so just stuff like that. And it was just funny, like the introduction and like how we ended up getting real close because when he came in, you weren't just, you really came in about business. Like he didn't come in talking to everybody. It wasn't, he wasn't being buddy, buddy. Like I really barely heard him talk. That's why I was so surprised. And because he came through about business, it wasn't like he was smiling, nothing. He showed up, for straight business on the first day, and that's how I knew he was so serious. And it's crazy that you're saying all these things because now it just all makes sense. Like you've had to, you're coming from a different country, and you're already an underdog just as it is because you never played the sport. And then you know, like you said, coming in, you know, people are always gonna have their opinions. But he came in and he was a hard worker and just started grinding and then took off really. Okay. And it was crazy how he did. But yeah, first London person I ever met yeah thank you, thank you. and he comes in with the dredge, you know the cool dreads, the dyed dredge, yeah,'re like this dude not from London
1: yeah. <laughs> right yeah. right but it, it was it was crazy
0: it was crazy, <laughs> oh boy, it was crazy. how did y'all um kind of meet up a little bit?
1: I met the first time I met I don't know if you remember but it was at a uh it was at a, a day party, it was at a day party and he, I mean, it's, funny, it's funny I mean, because bro. he was throwing the football or at least trying to <laughs> So yeah bro so um i think i had i think i had yeah. to know about him through through you cam or right, through right. you know what i'm saying like because most of my, all my friends was on the football team so um uh, i had a good idea who you were but yeah i think we just chopped it up at the, uh, the <laughs> day party for a little bit really? and then um i don't really remember too much after that i mean well during that time but i know after that we uh ended up being around each other a lot more because right. uh, just our friend groups uh collided so we just ended up getting cool absolutely yeah but that's definitely the time you was out there trying to throw that football but then you were showing everybody how to throw it like a rugby ball he could we're throw just... it he could, he could throw that yeah. rugby ball though <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Still yeah, run, yeah. cool <laughs> we're out there with no
0: pads on right and you know how you go the first two days mm-hmm. with just a helmet no pads so Tyrese is out there he comes a little this something happened with maybe your paperwork at the beginning or I think you were hurt or something when we start, started getting into pads because you remember we were in pads and you were in a helmet for, for like a little bit it was something something happened and he was oh, out okay. there and he was He's out the there paperwork. you know how the rugby players hit your hand down yeah. Yeah. So like, we're going to tag off. Tyrese, put throwing that forearm down, about to break boy's wrist out there. <laughs> like, like, oh, people not even trying to go close to him because <laughs> he's about to break your wrist when you go to uh when you go to tag him. I remember that was a funny thing. Oh man, that is hilarious. How do you think your time? How was your I time at Coastal? Me, like, what would you say a recap coming in? How you did and um, and leaving? Like, what was your time in there like?
2: Yeah. Coastal man, that's probably one of the funnest experiences in my Coastal's life. Coastal, fine. Um, <laughs> I'd say, fine. Co- yeah, man. I heard it, heard about it before. <laughs> I'd say, I think the thing is that at first, yeah, was I knew as you said, man. I, I I went to America. I went to coastal, knowing that it was business, just straight business. I had all the pep talks from my family, from my close friends, and they just told me, you gotta go out there. So business mindset, you know, business first, friends, friendship second. So I guess for me, I knew that I was ready a step back. You know, I'm competing with you guys and you guys have been whole playing your right. whole lives, 10 years, 15 years, and I've never played the sport before. You know, I've seen it, I play Madden, that's what I learned in the game, but I never really played it before. So at first, you know, I just had to go out there and just put my all into learning the game at the beginning because it's as good, you know, obviously learning it on TV, learning it on doing this and you know, running routes with, with one of your friends, but you're not actually playing the game. So I really needed to make sure that I learned it at the beginning. And yesterday, you know, when you said like, I slapped your hands down and so many things are like, just weren't like taking nature to me. Like, you know, when you said like a handoff, a handoff in football and it's rug- so different to a handoff in rugby. A handoff in mm-hmm. rugby is a stiff arm. And like, there are so many different bits of terminology where, you know, I remember Coach Isaac must have said something. And I must have been like, huh? I must have said that about 10 times. Like, so many different things that you guys would say just made no sense to me because you guys say jerk, we say step. You know, there were so many different things. You guys say routes, we say (laughs) routes. So it was just like, I had to learn a whole new language in football at the beginning. And then it wasn't just that, as well. It was learning Americans, man. Like, I'd met Americans, but the Americans that I'd met had been, you know, situated in the countries that I'd met them in for quite an elongated period of time. So they didn't really have the American. For when I was in Dubai, people weren't American. They had that sort of Nickelodeon yeah. accent. They learned from TV. So it wasn't even like a proper American Hold up. So there was no <laughs> sort of like American he said, slang. Nickelodeon
1: accent. Nickelodeon like, accent. He oh, said so jeez, there was no slang. Bro, I know you, you came <laughs> to the coast when I
0: heard the slang and them boys oh, in the locker oh, room. Man. And you were like, what?
1: Oh, je-
2: was all, like, that. What? all What? What them that. boys say? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. But to be fair, I, I've always loved America. Like, I've always watched American music. I've always had that sort of American feel. Like, some of my friends, like, they always, like, whenever I meet anybody, they always say to me, are you are you from America? Are you American? So, I, when I went to, a, like, when I went to uh, when I got New Orleans, like, two years ago, I just felt as if I looked like everybody else there. So, like, I've always had that sort of love for America. But then when I went to, obviously, America, started learning all the lingo in the locker room because, if fair. Like, learning the lingo in the locker room is probably where you're going to expect it most, because everybody's kind of got that sort of that sort of hood feel right. and whatever. So everybody knows the sort of slang. But then, speaking to our friends in the UK, man, I used to get roasted, richly rinsed, rich, but all of them like, man, you're American now. <laughs> I was just like, ah, oh, man, I didn't even want to get that that early, man. I'm still, I'm not even trying to be, so yeah i kind of had that but yeah i guess to kind of get back into the topic because i can literally divulge so much um so quickly um but yeah obviously went out there and it was just learning about americans in general because as much as it was learning football i had to know i had to know i could fit in because i've i've gone to so many different countries i've gone to you know so many different sort of environment situations but you don't try to fit in but you just try to be yourself and see how that works and fit, in an then. And I guess you kind of had to change, had to change a little bit, because in America I find that it was very different in the UK in regards to sort of alpha, alpha male sort of feel. You know, you don't want to kind of come across as you know just a little pushover. And I guess I was lucky because I didn't really try and come as an alpha, didn't come as a pushover. I tried to kind of come in the middle and. I've seen so many different people who would have, like some of my friends or people that I know who would have gone to America and they would have had that sort of push-over fill, And you can really see the difference in that sort of culture. So I had to adjust to the culture. And then you know, there was the classes in the UK. We specialised straight away. I'm having to learn all these different things. I remember actually my first English lesson. Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember. My first ever English lesson. Um, you know, she was like to me, oh, yeah, you know, are you going to put a <laughs> period at the end of that? <laughs> I'm like, wait, sorry, what? Because, you know, period in female terms, yeah. yeah, whatever. But we've always called it a full stop. So I remember, like, all these hearing all these oh, yeah, things. Oh, yeah, I yeah, asked, yeah. Like,
1: you say stop, right? What's
2: Like, it was just like, bro, it was like so many different things. It's like I speak in a new language. Like, all these different things that you guys were saying were just so difficult. So it's like I'm learning football. I'm learning the language of football. I'm learning the American language and the diction and whatnot. And that was obviously having to come into, into play. And then I go from being in boarding school where I remember on a Saturday, uh, I was on Saturday and I was I I literally left my boarding house at like 6pm. I remember coming in and getting the detention because I should have been in the boarding house. And then you go from that to being in college where, you know, you can right. be out whenever you want. You can do this whenever you want. But then it's happened to find that discipline. So, now, nah, honestly, I loved America. Like, America was still, you know, the best time of my life. I feel as if, you know, the sort of friendships that I've made, you know, I wouldn't have met you guys for something like that. The other people that I still speak to, I wouldn't have met through something like that. And I feel as if America doesn't get the praise that it deserves because people see what they want to see on TV. People, you know, frame their sort of opinions on America because of what they see with Trump and whatnot. But America is actually such a beautiful country. I feel like. I feel as if the people. I feel as if, and this is gonna hurt so many people. I don't care. <laughs> Americans are more wow. genuine than than English people. I feel like Americans will tell you something straight up to your face. Yeah. I feel as if a lot of British people will literally keep it. They won't say anything, and the next thing you know, somebody's telling you something that someone else said. So I just feel as if America was the best time of my life, and coastal especially literally is. It shaped my sort of mentality right. and it's helped mm-hmm. make me. Yeah, especially
1: person. coming into an American college, is you have you have people from all over. A lot of the people are from up north. So you saying that people mm-hmm. are real straight up. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess from people coming from like up north, they're really blunt. You know, they don't really sugarcoat things. Right. There's A lot of assholes yeah. and stuff out there, but you know, it's good. It's good that you have mm. that discipline, or you have to find that discipline because I know coastal can throw anybody off their game. Hey, you know, absolutely
0: (laughs) anybody off that game. Coastal is something different. And then the fact that you came to Coastal when you were able to find that. That's crazy. That's crazy. And he definitely did. He wasn't missing practices and and doing all that. I don't remember any type of any type of problems with that. But, man, it's crazy because you I feel like you got acquainted pretty fast yeah i feel
1: like you I feel like
0: yeah i feel like you got the queen like coming out. in
1: you had a mm. lot of tension just like you like in uh in london like when you had a lot of tension mm. when you were younger i feel like when you came to coastal like you being in the dorms and stuff there was a lot of eyes on you and so there was a lot of people whether it was sure. genuine or not they were offering helping hands asking you questions you know trying to implement mm. you and get you acclimated to the whole system, you know, cause they were just curious about you, but it was actually helping you. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it was nice because you know, that stuff really doesn't phase me mm-hmm. because I kind of had that when I was younger. But again, everything that you do helps you make you so much better and it. You know, it kind of shapes your whole life. I feel. And that definitely helped me so much because when I was getting all that stuff, I know if I hadn't have gone for, I went through it before, I would have been so arrogant. I would have literally, my head would have blown off and whatnot. But I managed to be able to just use it. And it was nice, actually, because it was a lot more love than it was hate. And I feel as if in the UK, a lot of it is more hate because of just the, the way society can be. And I feel as if out there, it was just love. Like, it was just people just embrace each other. People aren't, people have egos. Everyone has an ego. But people aren't letting their egos get the better of them. You know, I feel and I feel as if people were very friendly, people were very nice. And my whole you know, fitting into the culture in America was made so much easier because guys were so right. nice and so friendly
1: yes, with it. That's big.
0: That's and big. So helped as well. A family and the because they put you in the dorm with what, you know, other other teammates yeah. and things like that. I know you still talk to Eric. Shout out Air- 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 Eric. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Next to my locker. <laughs> Me.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I speak to I speak to quite a few of them still. I'm I'm still very close with some of the guys, and um, I just felt, my, honestly, it was just such a shock to me. I feel, um, because as good as rugby was for me, um, I felt as if people were very blunt. I used to get you know the odd little bit of stick about um, you know about the video going viral. But in the, when I as soon as I got to the football locker room, I. I can literally show you screen recordings, um, you know, screenshots from my phone, talking to my family. I literally, the first thing I said was, this feels so real, it feels so genuine. And these guys actually feel like brothers. And you can, you you really felt that you'd like, the sort of things where you're hanging out with the guys after practice, you're hanging out with the guys on the weekends, you really feel that sort of connection. You really kind of feel that family bond and everyone was just, just just amazing. That's 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 good to hear about it. That's good to hear.
0: Coastal definitely a good time, absolutely.
1: No, there, I got it a is. question for you. So, about so, like, everybody's in quarantine, right? You know, um, uh, I, I assume you yeah. the same thing going on there in the UK, right? Y'all on, are y'all on lockdown, or
2: yeah, we're on lockdown at the moment. Yeah, we're on lockdown, and um, we're only allowed to. Get like grocery shopping, as you guys would call it. Uh, we haven't really got a time period so we oh. can, where we can and can't go out. But we have, I think, we have special social distancing as well. And if, you know, the police feel is if you're going out for improper reasons, then they have every single right to, um, you know, take you to court and you pay a fee yeah. and fine and whatnot.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a little bit more lackadaisical here in the U.S. Like people, like I could go out right now drive around, walk. It's a lot of people walking running a lot of stores are open restaurants they're doing takeout you know um you know but i don't want to get too deep in the lack of effort on the u.s behalf but i wanted to i wanted to ask uh, i wanted to ask you how like this quarantine has affected like you still getting that work in? are you still like not missing a beat or because i know you said that you finally got a break because you're um you know you finally got a break there and Mm. uh so talk to me about, or talk to us yeah. about, like, what your work ethic is now. Is it heightened? Has it increased? Or or what? I'd say, so, actually, funny
2: enough, I literally I wrote a blog about this. Um, it's coming out tonight, actually. I wrote it about a couple of days ago, just about this exact thing. And it was basically about what have you learned through, you know, quarantine. And the thing that I learned is relaxation. Because I've spent the last six years no seven years I left Dubai in 2013 and ever since every single summer I've taken up if, I don't think I've only had about a month um, in the last seven years off every single time I've just been consistently just going in next next thing after the other after the other after the other so I really needed a kind of period to just deload and um, find myself again because I was in rugby I wasn't happy playing professional rugby so mentally I was lost mentally I was going through all these different all these sort of different things and so I needed to find a period to just sit back relax because I've literally gone straight from playing rugby into working a normal nine to five I work as a recruitment consultant and so that is still a very intense job you know because you want to impress the bosses so you're getting in at like eight o'clock you're leaving at like six o'clock six thirty so it's still just intense after intense after intense sorts of things so i've literally spent the first you know, first three weeks when i'm just chilling like i've done the other little bit of training here and there but I've, one could say i let myself go to my standards i let myself go but if if i've been through what i've been through in regards to how much work i put in then i feel as if i warranted this time off and so what i'm doing now I've literally started from the beginning. I literally started a couple of days ago from Wednesday. Um, I've literally been going ham. I've been I'm actually posting a training video tomorrow and I'm literally just going and attacking. I'm getting my shape back. I'm getting everything I need to do. But I wanted to see how far I could set back before I would start getting demotivated, yeah. not got demoted at all. And I'm still hungry. I'm still fighting. So at least I know, know that I've still got that fire inside of me. Because it would have been very easy. I could work as a recruitment consultant and just say, you know what? Scrap it. Let me just get rid of my body. I don't care. But I'm, right. I've still got that
1: burning fire inside of me. Yeah, that's, that's me. big, man. Yeah. Me, the same way. I think at the beginning of this whole quarantine thing, I think I sat out for about like a week, two weeks. Mm. I was just chilling. You know what I'm saying? But then, like, but, yeah, for real. <laughs> but, like, it got yeah. to the point where I started, like, you know, I said. I think I said this in the video the other day. I was like, "You may catch me slipping, but you're not gonna catch me falling." If that makes any type of sense at all, but <laughs> never. But like, yeah, quite a stumble. Like, makes sense. sense a little slip. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna catch myself. Just a little slip. You know, you don't break your, you don't hurt your groin. Right. And, like, right. and you need that
0: time. Right. I know that's so helped you, feel you feel as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was going through it about the same time you were. That yeah. little like one or two weeks where we were really chilling, and then we kind of came. We were like, "All right, we're about to get back on our." It's like your self standard, like how you said, TJ. You said, you know, you didn't let yourself go, but your self standard is just so high that you had to get back to things, and, and that's great. That's that's Like
1: exciting. I started feeling bad about myself. You know what I'm saying? I was like, damn, bro. Like I didn't took over a week. Yeah, let me like, go get damn. this confidence back. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's it was funny. Yeah. We all
0: go through it. Yeah, it's good to take yeah. them off for sure. It definitely is.
1: Yeah, man. That's the um last thing i wanted uh wanted you to talk about I mean you can touch it you can touch it briefly, but um, like how was playing professional rugby? How was that?
2: yeah, I'd say it was a dream of mine as soon as I started playing. people told me for literally the first day I started playing rugby, everybody told me you'll make it, and as much as you want to believe it, there are times when you don't, but then. You know, as soon as I went viral, the first thing I heard was, you're not going to do that in the pros because everybody's going to just match up to you and you're not going to be at that level. And so, you know, when I was in America, that was my dream. My dream was to play in the NFL and I was leaving Coastal to transfer. And then I had, you know, I spoke to my rugby agent and he was just like, there is still a chance of you playing professional rugby. And you know I was um in the Naru, What do I want to do? I had a couple of rugby clubs, um, you know, hit me up and basically, you know, show their sort of, show their sort of love. But then I was just kind of thinking, as much as I want to go back out to America, this has been something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to become a professional sportsman. Doesn't matter what sport, just to be able to say that I've at least done that, and then I can kind of build from there. So playing professional rugby jumped in. Now I had a meeting with the head coach on. I'd say. Thursday of one of one week, and then on the on the mon on the Sunday I moved in. So I literally signed the contract the day after. Everything just kind of went in from there. So it was a very quick process. um Had to scrap off the American football, and it was a difficult one because you know you're gonna get the questions: Why are you leaving rugby? So why are you leaving American football? Why go back to rugby? Oh, you're not gonna make it. So all of those sort of things kind of play up. But then as soon as I played rugby, the love that I got was just. Just scary. I didn't expect to get as much as I did. To be honest, um, you know, a lot of they always say turn your is it turn your hateism to your biggest love right. or whatever <laughs> it is. That's not a saying, yeah, but get. yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that. And um, yeah, people really started to respect it because they can they could they, they've seen the sort of progress I've made and they see all the sort of progress that I made into getting to that sort of professional level in rugby. And so yeah, I was there, um, and it was just so different because. That was, this is the saying that I want to say. It's like when your, um, your idols become your rivals, you know, the guys who two, three years before I'm watching on TV, right. I'm literally sitting next to him in the locker room. And it was just like, I, I think for the first two weeks, I was just gobsmacked because I've never really like looked at rugby as the way I look at football because I've always been a football, like a soccer fan, um, but I've never sort of been a massive rugby fan. But, you know, when you've got some of the big guys who you see on TV, and you're like, oh, my goodness, that's so-and-so. And you're seeing him in the locker room. It was just like, oh, my goodness. Um, it was just different for me, to be fair, because i had been so used to speed training. You know, I looked at my body when I was playing rugby. I looked at my body when I was playing American football. Like, when I was playing know, um, American football, I was, like, £199 to, like, £200. Um, when I was playing rugby, I was, like, 205 to, like, 210. So, like, I definitely, like, lost, lost a bit of my... Um, I gained a bit of body fat, but in rugby terms, I was still, I think I had one of the lowest in the team still body fat wise and speed wise. I managed to continue that over, but the this, this sort of different sorts of speed training was so different, but that was the hardest thing for me was adapting to my fitness because American football, straight speed, bit of speed endurance, but not so much rugby is straight fitness. Can you run flat out for 15 minutes? Can you run seven K in the game? you're not just running the odd little six-yard sprint. You know, you're literally running 7K every single game. So I had to spend so much time, um, you know, with the with the strength and conditioning coaches every single day when the guys were on, on breaks. I still had to be in because I'd just come. I need to get my fitness up. And my fitness wasn't at levels. Every single day after sessions, walk back, ask any of the boys out at Bristol, I was the most <laughs> unfit in the whole team because mm-hmm. in football terms, I was fit. But in rugby too, I was unfit, especially as it's the professional level. So I really had to change my whole diet. Um, I cut out a lot of my carbs, I cut out a lot of rubbishy proteins and stuff. I really had to slim down and make sure I was, I stand to my diet and managed to get myself in a good position body wise, first of all. But then alongside that, I had to learn rugby because I've been out of rugby for a couple of years, but playing rugby at school level, because I kind of, I played academy rugby. Because I went out to America, kind of skipped that massive period Mm -hmm. of playing academy rugby. So I missed a lot of learning. So I was like, I was learning a new sport all over again when I was playing rugby, man. I literally, the passing, you know, the, the sort of the tackling, the skill level really had to increase because I'd never been exposed to it. I'd had the sort of, I'd had some coaches that tried to give me a little something, but... To, at that level, I'd not had the consistent amount of coaching to teach me how it would be at the professional level. So I'd spent a lot of time on my physicality, you know, and so many different things that I just didn't feel as if I loved enough. I don't I don't think I loved tackling enough. I don't feel as if I loved the Jacksonville enough. And I couldn't play rugby every single day where I'd wake up right. wishing I was playing American football. You know what I mean? How can I be the best at rugby? When I, wanted, I didn't want yeah. be I don't even want to be the best in rugby. i be the best in American football. So at some points it was difficult because I was trying to motivate myself every single day to get out of bed to play rugby. And really and truly, I was I just wanted to play American football. So it was such a difficult sort of period for me because it was balancing that sort of love, um, and reality. You know, I was so blessed to be in the position to play for such a an amazing club. But I had to be true to myself. And that's obviously why I left rugby, because I just felt as if I didn't love the sport enough to continue playing it. Um, and everyone out there, could, everyone that played with me, know that I loved American football. So why would I waste anyone's time when, and, you know, why would I not put in, I put in, I put in, a, I put in a good percentage, but I can honestly say I wouldn't mm-hmm. put in 100% because I just didn't love it. And how can you really excel at what you don't love? So I guess yeah that's kind of where it where it ended um and yeah I literally love my time there I'm so
1: thankful for the
2: club for giving me an opportunity but I just had to be true to myself yeah, man, and the tip and faith that
1: Man for real you've had a lot of humbling processes man you're you know you're smart young you know Absolutely. the the road the road ahead and the road ahead. Big things to come. We'll definitely back. have to Big get you time. back
0: on here, um, in a few months. Definitely and update everybody on things you got going mm-hmm. on and and what you got. You know, once Absolutely. this virus and everything clears up. For yeah, sure.
1: man. For,
0: for
2: for sure. For sure. Yeah, man. Appreciate you sure, joining appreciate the it.
1: the shows, man. For real.
2: I appreciate you having me, man. Uh, definitely.
1: Really, really yeah, good to speak to you guys. Likewise, man. This man. Well, I hope. I hope everything works out, man. We know everything's gonna work out. You got a strong work ethic. Hopefully these restrictions, lockdown orders get lifted soon so we can get out, mm-hmm. get active, we can start traveling, things like that. But until until then, man, um For we'll sure. see we'll see you. We'll see you until next we'll time. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Say you're um you're handles, where can they find you at? Where can... Oh yeah, where where can Stop. people uh contact <laughs> you or you know, social media platforms? Where where can people, you know, follow you at?
2: yeah for now my my instagram my twitter are uh, tj underscore athlete it's the same for everything my email is tj underscore athlete homework.com. so yeah literally hit me up and um all right man yeah, appreciate it thanks terese all
0: right my way thank you
1: thank you for- and that concludes this episode of the free value podcast this time we like to pat ourselves on the back And shout out the Free Value Brand, home of the Free Value Podcast and recently launched clothing brand. Feel free to check it out and its latest drop at FreeValueBrandNC.com. That website can also be found in the description of this episode, along with a link to updates on Millennial Park, Cameron Jackson's open air shipping container park located in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Give us a follow on Instagram at the Free Value Podcast. You can also find me at HoopZig and host Cameron Jackson at Cameron Jackson underscore CEO. This is the Free Value Podcast. And as always, thanks for listening. See you next week.